This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 26, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The Biden administration is failing at enabling a free and open trading system, largely by leaving in place so many of the trade restrictions left behind by Donald Trump. Cato's Inu Manak and Gabriella Beaumont-Smith discuss their free trade wish list. There are a lot of people who've been taking pictures of empty shelves in grocery stores and saying, empty shelves, Biden. Now, a whole lot of these products are domestically produced. Some of them might have uh, foreign inputs. Um, But before we get to the wish list, how fair is it to attribute many of the problems that we're seeing uh, for final consumer goods at the feet of the president of the United States? Well, I don't think you can entirely blame one person. Um, Obviously, there has been a lot of difficulties recently with uh, trade in goods as a result of increased demand. Um, We've been seeing massive port bottlenecks, and those are mainly a result of domestic, long-standing domestic policies. Um, so I don't think you can entirely blame the president for those. Um, those are efficiency problems that sh- maybe this president should take a look at and encourage some improvements there. Um, obviously, labor unions at the ports have been problematic. They don't work as many hours, um, which also in response, the government agencies then don't work the enough hours to be able to process the increased demand at these ports. Um, so I don't think you can blame President Biden for empty shelves because of uh, inefficiencies at ports, but maybe President Biden should take it upon himself to enact some policies to make things run more smoothly. So Inu, like inflation, uh, trade is largely invisible to a lot of people. So even to the extent that we can't blame uh, Joe Biden for empty shelves in grocery stores, there are policies that, as Gabby noted, have been in place for a long time that due to pandemic, due to uh, problems in shipping related to that, staffing and that sort of thing, a lot of resources that move goods from one place to another have been diverted to other purposes that may have left uh, grocery stores or other retailers uh, in a bit of a bind for trying to provide products to uh, their customers. That's right. You know, when we look to the start of the pandemic, you know, 2020 even was marked by a lot of trade disruptions due to the pandemic itself. Uh, but we did see some bouncing back in 2021, increasing by roughly about 22%. And that's a good sign that shows that the global economy overall has been pretty resilient despite all these disruptions that we face. Uh, what's not as good, however, uh, is the fact that the Biden administration has been unwilling to engage in building a trade policy that's going to help Americans make their way through the economic recovery, uh, as well as a lack of pressure from Congress to encourage Biden to walk away from Trump-era trade policies, and also to to rein in some of this uh, regulatory overreach that has 
pretty much limited the fact that, that we could take actions that we need to take. Uh, there are really silly regulations across the board uh, that have made it very difficult, for example, uh, to import in COVID tests from other countries uh, just because the FDA has not approved them here. Why do we need that? There are practical steps that this government could take to make it easier for Americans to get the products they need, not just for this pandemic, but for their daily lives going forward. And so I think that there are a lot of things in our, our, our wish list this year that we hope that the administration and Congress will do in order to get us back on track and to make us more resilient than we've ever been before. All right. So the trade policy wish list, where to begin? Um, I think actually a really easy place to begin is to look at the many tariffs that have been imposed over the last four years. Um, the Biden administration has not been active on trade really at all. It has not um, made any indication that it's going to look to removing any of the tariffs that have caused immense costs um, to Americans over the last four years. And that's a big problem. Americans are being affected by policymakers that are mainly looking towards imposing policies based on romanticism and nostalgia. Um, obviously, there's a huge focus on bringing back American manufacturing um, and Americans are just paying more for everything and I and it's making things more difficult as you pointed out there's empty grocery shelves and people are paying more and during the pandemic that's not the time where you should be imposing higher costs on people so a really easy way for the Biden administration to ease pressures for Americans would be simply to remove the section 232 tariffs the section 301 tariffs the section 201 tariffs there are so many tariffs that could be removed to just make things a lot easier for Americans to be able to um, ease some of the financial pressures that have been created as a result of the pandemic and pandemic-related regulations. You know? Yeah, you know, I think it may be easy to forget that the Constitution gives Congress exclusive and plenary authority over regulating commerce with foreign countries. Now, in fact, for most of U.S. history, Congress regulated trade activity directly via its Article I, Section 8 authority and specific tariff acts. Only in the 20th century did lawmakers start delegating their tariff authority to the executive branch, whether to promote or restrict international trade. Now, President Trump took full advantage of these delegated authorities, and Biden has upheld most of those actions so far. So, for instance, as Gabby mentioned, Trump administration had imposed tariffs on, on steel and aluminum products, mostly on our allies, and Biden could have removed these upon entering office, but he chose not to. Instead, he negotiated a managed trade agreement with the European Union to turn those tariffs into tariff rate quotas that will allow a historically low volume of metal to enter duty-free and the remaining volumes to face tariffs. Now, the administration has signaled that it's looking to replicate this deal with other allies as well, such as Japan. And with the trade war with China, we've continued that as well. You know, tariffs on hundreds of millions of dollars are still in place. 
place. This has hurt consumers and manufacturers, lowered our GDP growth, hurt U.S. exporters that use Chinese inputs, and deterred investments due to the uncertainty that's been caused by these trade wars. And not surprisingly, the tariffs didn't lead to the reshoring of production. Trump claimed it would. Instead, some production just shifted from China to other countries in the Asia-Pacific. So Congress needs to take action here uh, to limit the procedural loopholes that these laws have created uh, to restore some balance between the executive and legislative branches on tariff and trade policy and to make trade more stable again with the United States. You mentioned uh, metal uh, These are, uh, and other inputs that uh, U.S. manufacturers would be happy to use, especially if they can get them at a discount and uh, pass those savings on to consumers in the form of finished goods. Um, as I like to point out, as often as is possible, a whole lot of the stuff that the U.S. imports is stuff Americans use to make other stuff to sell to people around the world. Absolutely. Over half of what we import are intermediate products that we then transform into something else. This is one of the amazing things that's been possible because of international trade. And it's hampered. Every time we put a tariff uh, on a product, we're basically taxing that product so that it's more expensive for someone to do something else with it. It could be the equivalent of basically putting a wall in the middle of a factory floor. So we need to do things to remove these barriers so that people have the ability to make the choices that they need uh, to source from where they want to source products. Uh, so, uh, Gabby, you mentioned uh, the easy things that uh, Joe Biden as president could do uh, unilaterally thanks to these uh, massive and arguably unconscionable congressional delegations uh, that have occurred over decades. But what what should uh, Congress be looking at seriously when uh, making trade policy more rational and a higher volume? I think that Congress taking back its constitutional power would be a great first step. Maybe that's not so easy, but I think that's a really important thing to do. I also think that Congress should be scrutinizing bills that have anything to do with trade. Um, the infrastructure bill that passed late last year has buy American and local content rule provisions that are going to make it more expensive for the government to build bridges, to repair roads. The government provides these public goods, yet they're making it more expensive for themselves because they are putting in these protectionist rules. And that makes absolutely no sense. President Biden has emphasized that he wants to increase domestic investment and wants to uh, create more efficient infrastructure. So why would he move towards protectionism and make it more expensive and make it slower to repair these public goods when he could have freer trade and more foreign investment in the U.S. that would make American infrastructure much stronger? You know, what else? What else? What, are, what rounds out the trade policy wish list for 2022? Well, I would say one of the, the biggest challenges during the Trump years was engagement with 
other countries, with our allies to tackle shared problems, not just with the pandemic, but global trade in general. And the organization that helps set some of these rules that we negotiate is the World Trade Organization. Uh, and the Trump administration actually took aim to cripple the WTO uh, and its most effective instrument to maintain open and non-discriminatory trade among its member countries. Uh, that would be its dispute settlement mechanism that essentially hears appeals on disputes that countries make against each other for violating the rules that they agreed upon. Now, someone would say, why is this bad? You know, isn't the WTO some big bureaucracy out in Geneva uh, that's setting rules for us? Well, well, no, we set those rules. We agreed to them. And let's say you want to rein in perhaps China's behavior on violating some trade practices that we've agreed to. The WTO is a great place to do that. Uh, it has been shown to be effective in disciplining China's behavior when it operates in violation to the rules that we have set up. Now, I think the United States has a lot of legitimate concerns over how the WTO overall functions. And I think there's always room for improvement and reform of any institution. But the Trump administration made very little effort to break the impasse that it created, and the Biden administration seems to be following suit. Now, the problem is that we know unilateral action as employed by Trump and now Biden is not going to work. Uh, the trade war with China has shown that. So we need to work together with our trading partners and our allies within the rules-based system that we help create. Uh, part of this is going to be negotiating new rules. You know, we have negotiations that have been going on for a few decades on reining in what are called fisheries subsidies. These are subsidies uh, on fishing activities that lead to overfishing and the depletion of our ocean resources as well. Now, we're at the closest we've been in a long time now to getting these talks across the finish line. China has even agreed to disciplines that are going to ensure it abides by the same rules as its, as its developed country peers because of its economic impact on this sector. Now, this, concluding these talks, would be a major win, not just for the WTO, also the global economy and the environment, too, if we can pull this off. So the Biden administration should deeply care about this because it helps them achieve some of their fundamental goals on trade uh, and on the economy in general. Inu Monica and Gabriella Beaumont-Smith are trade scholars at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>